you seek the key. But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Right now on Fast, a Friday frenzy. Stocks rallying to close out the week, and the Dow is on pace for its best month in more than four decades. So with big tech earnings in the rear view and Fed meeting in focus, what can we expect as we kick off a new week? Plus, it's not just the Fed on deck next week. Pharma, semis, consumer stocks all getting ready for earnings. How should you play the names ahead of their reports? And from defense to offense, the stock that just put in its longest win streaks, winning streak since 1998 and why it could go even higher from here. I'm Sarah Eisen in for Melissa Lee tonight. This is Fast Money live from the NASDAQ market site in the heart of Times Square, New York City. On the desk tonight, Tim Seymour, Guy Adami, Steve Grasso, Courtney Garcia. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for having me. We're going to start with the markets. Monster rally to close out the week here. The Dow jumping nearly 830 points to lock in its best week since May. It's on pace for its best month since 1976. And get this, it's within a whisper of its best month since 19. 19- 38. Only Crazy. Guy Adami remembers that. <laughs> the S&P and the That's Nasdaq <laughs> also posting big gains today with the tech-heavy index jumping as much as 3% at its highs of the session. Apple, one of the big winners today, jumping more than 7% and adding over $175 billion in one day to its market cap. Meanwhile, Amazon dropped 7% after its disappointing earnings report, though closed well off its lows of the day. But with the, net, the Fed meeting right around the corner here and way more earnings on deck, can the momentum Continue. I'll start with you, Tim, since you were kind enough to join me here. Well, it's great to have you here, and it, it's it's a pleasure to be sitting next to you. I, I think we have a dynamic of part of the driver earlier in the week was lower rates, uh, lower dollar, and those continue into the Fed. And we can talk Fed till we're blue in the face. Fed's going to do what they're going to do next week. Um, the fact that Microsoft, Google, Amazon, uh, Meta all drop donuts and, and, and the Nasdaq's up 2% this week tells you a lot about both where positioning was, where sentiment was, where seasonals are. And, and so there's a lot of things going for the market, I think, right now. And, and we've talked about it. Guys hit some levels. We, we've kind of said that there's even room for the, for the S&P to kind of go up to a 4150 area. Uh, I think you have a case where if you ask me that uh, Apple's numbers deserve the kind of move they had today, no, they didn't. And, and Amazon's probably didn't deserve the downside. I think there's some defensive fund flow there. And, and you talk about the Dow. We, we talk about and we, we kind of poo-poo the Dow Jones Industrial Average. I'll just say the S&P's, uh, out, I should say the Nasdaq and the semis underperformance to the S&P, really still kind of continues. And the breakout of the Dow is something that, while it's a price-weighted index, doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, the stocks that make up the Dow mostly in terms of transports and industrials, but this value trade, I think we continue to see a changing of the guard. I think we continue to see energy working. We got a lot of, a lot of energy. Exxon's going to uh, give us some numbers just in a second. We got some, uh, you know, some, some dynamics that tell us some parts of the weightings of these indices are going to change. Yeah, we were just talking about how good the Dow would have been doing if Exxon wasn't kicked out and Salesforce didn't replace it. Time to buy it. That was a sign of the times. Guy, you think the momentum continues? Nothing changes sentiment like price. How is your sentiment right now? Well, I'm glad you brought up that 1978. I was getting ready to turn 35 at a huge party that no, year, No, 1938, Sarah, just for I, was, the record. I was saying. You remember oh, 30, well. Well, that's, yeah, well, I remember that, too, it turns out. What do I think? Well, if you go back, we actually talked about this on October 14th and then Monday the 17th. We said the setup 
in terms of what we had seen the prior week looked hauntingly familiar to what we saw back in the middle of June. And I think we all sort of posited that 4,000 was probably going to be the level we got to. That would represent about a 14% rally off the 34.91 low. And we really haven't wavered from that. We've said it all the time, Sarah, the biggest rallies take place in bear markets. We are in a bear market. I want to be clear. We've talked about this, but I think once it gets there and it's going to sort of line up probably with this Fed or maybe the midterm elections, I think you sell it again. This to me looks exactly like the setup June into August. Now we're talking about October 13th into early November. I'm glad you brought up the midterm elections because voter sentiment has changed and it's swung a lot lately toward Republicans and potential Republican control of the Senate. And I do wonder if that has something to do maybe with the with the, with the better tone, with the bullishness, because the, the market narrative is that would be good. Deadlocked government would be good for stocks. So Grasso, what do you do? Yeah, so I, I had thought that the, that the uh, November elections were going to be a catalyst to see the market run into year end. I'm a little shocked that the market decided to run prior to those elections. I thought that was going to be uh, the, the, the real bubble that really sent us off uh, through December. But if you look at what Tim had said, he talked about rates and the, and the dollar. If you look at the chart of the dollar, it coincides inversely to the market. So if you think that the Fed is going to ease, that to me seems, as, as uh, the, the, the first uh, Tim and guy just mentioned, it seems a little too orchestrated for me. So if we're talking about 50 bips versus 75 bips, and that's the reason why we're going to rally, I think we're grasping at straws personally. I think you're going to see the market sort of be a little tepid here, maybe get up to the level uh, that the guys are talking about, 41, 41, 50. And I, I'm afraid, Sarah, that we pulled forward that midterm election rally, to be honest. There is a lot of talk, Courtney, about seasonals right now. Seasonals and sentiment seem to be two big drivers besides the fact that we've seen lower Treasury yields and a weaker dollar this week. What do you make of it? Yeah, and I think it's really kind of this tale of two markets right now. And you are going to see it, which we've been talking about a lot throughout this year, how your longer duration assets were going to underperform. And they're really living up to that at this point in time. And this week specifically, it's been really remarkable to see on days where your tech firms were had horrible earnings and tech companies were coming down. But the overall markets really continued to improve. I think it's just showing how much some of those kind of like older school stocks are really holding up the markets. And I think a lot of that will continue as we move forward, where we're talking about are the markets going up? Are down. I think there's certain parts of the economy that are going to continue to recover better than others. And I think you want to make sure you stay in those companies that have the good cash flow, they have pricing power. Um, all this being said, though, we're also starting the World Series tonight. And every time the Phillies have won previously has led to a recession. So this all could be for nothing. So oh, no. we'll hope that that doesn't well, come to fruition. Then, 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 <laughs> are they going to win? Just one of many reasons to not like the Phillies, but we'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> they, they, congratulations. They've done, they've done very well here. Uh, who knew that correlation? Thank you, Courtney. So what company? So we have a bunch of earnings next week. We've got the Fed meeting, though 75 basis point hike seems to be priced in. I think the debate goes to December. But we're, we'll get it. We're going to get earnings. You mentioned Pfizer, AMD. There's some consumer staples. PayPal, like a lot of staples. Yeah. And, and I, I tell you what, if you look at staples as, as an allocation over the last 
let's call it six to eight weeks, um, went through a very difficult period after a significant outperformance period for all the reasons that they should. They're returning cash. They have predictable cash flows. Many food stocks in a world of inflation actually have a better top line. So far, they've been able to pass that along. So we, we, we got great numbers out of that. We've gotten great numbers out of the energy sector. If you look at uh, both internationally, so Royal Dutch or Eni over in, in Europe, but Exxon today, uh, the dynamics in terms of free cash flow, what they're doing to pay down balance sheet, what they're doing to buy back shares, and what they're doing to have a payout ratios that in many cases are, are north of 60%. These are the types of stocks that are working as we go into next week's earnings. I, I think you know this is the kind of environment where we have where, first of all, 3Q is outperformed. There's no question this earnings season has been better than expected. Non-tech. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, if you look at some of the tech sector where, you know, a Pinterest, where you've actually seen some of these companies that were much maligned based upon uh, either the multiple or the sense that they were internet stocks. Look, these are companies that are profitable and, and on some level have outperformed for, for the right reasons. I think the headline, Grasso, as we, as we both have known all along, is that the dollar trumps earnings, right? We learned that this week. Dollar and yields trump earnings. Yes. Even, even the biggest market yeah. cap weighted stocks. Yeah, and the dollar and oil and the dollar and every other correlation, it's all about the dollar. And whenever you see uh, the, the, the temperament uh, leaning towards maybe a dovish Fed, you see the market sort of trying to get its legs back underneath him. Um, you know, it, it, Tim has been rightfully uh, so uh, you know, bullish on energy names. I look at ExxonMobil. They had, it took them, I don't know, eight years to take out their old high from back in 2014. So it's been a picture perfect setup for energy and it has uh, broken the correlation, the inverse correlation, uh, the correlation to oil. But I just think the energy, the energy song and dance is probably a little long in the tooth here because if they're run so efficiently, it shouldn't have gotten them, taken them this long to get here. I think this is truly all about the dollar as you started off the question. Yeah, well, Exxon, by the way, closing at a record high, up another 3%, now up 80% year to date. Meantime, most of the biggest cap tech names held strong to close out the week, but the Chartmaster sees more pain ahead for the group. Let's get to the charts with Chartmaster Carter Worth of Worth Charting. Despite some of those big misses, Carter, NASDAQ closed the week positive. What do you see? That's right. Uh, thanks, Sarah. It was a curious week in the sense that it was basically bad news on the fundamental side for these companies. And yet the price action, it shook off the bad results. And so before we look at the charts, was it a good week or wasn't it for the Nasdaq 100? Well, the Nasdaq 100 was up 2% for the week, plus or minus. That's not bad. But the S&P was up 4 and the Russell 2000 was up 6 So net-net, it was not a good week for these names. And uh, let's look at some charts and try to figure it out together. The first here is just the S&P 500. And what's key, of course, is we know that we breached the June low and we've ricocheted back above that low. You can see the horizontal line. Now, the second chart is uh, it's a basket. It's the top five stocks plotted equal weight names. Everyone knows Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon and Tesla representing about 20 percent of the S&P. And what we have here is we're right at the June low. So this group was holding up better. It didn't breach the way the S&P did. And yet of late, the S&P is back above its June low and this is sitting right on it. And I think that is the problem. Two more charts just for fun. The first here of the, of the two is a ratio chart. You're simply looking at the NASDAQ 100's relative performance to the S&P. And we have literally been tracking that uptrend line perfectly and bouncing to the penny, to the penny, to the penny. And we've breached that line to the downside. 
hold that thought and then look at the same chart going all the way back to the dot-com era. And what we know is that only in the last 12 months was the NASDAQ 100 able to recoup all of its relative losses to the dot-com peak only to what? Roll over and fail. I think you want to remain underweight this area of the market. Carter, we're, thank you very much. We'll see you shortly on Options Action, which I can't wait for. Let's trade this. Guy, do you agree with that premise? Yes, 100%, because he basically said the same thing if you go back and listen to him. He was bullish in the middle of June. He got bearish towards the beginning of August. That proved to be extraordinarily prescient, so I'm with him. This is a mirror image of what we saw. It's just happening faster. And I will say this since you brought it up. If this media thing doesn't work out, which, you know, you are a star, you would be an incredible, badass FX trader, Sarah Eisen. Oh, well, thank you. I don't know about that. But thank you. I do love uh, foreign exchange. Courtney, on, on tech, the, ch the chart, uh, as Carter thing. suggests, not, not buying it. What about you? Yeah, I would agree there. I mean, we, we definitely own tech, but we're not overweighting it currently. I likely think it will continue to underperform here and be under pressure as we're still in a, a higher interest rate environment. Even as rates start to come down, they're not going down to the levels they were over the last few years. Um, so I completely agree with this. I own it, but definitely not overweight. I'd just say these ratios also, if you look at if you look at the semis to the NASDAQ, too, also underperforming. This is where you had leadership, and, and I think this is uh, an important part. We keep talking about the dollar, by the way. Dollar's a rearview mirror to me at this point. I, I, think, I think dollar's a tailwind. We, we know so much about what's been priced into the dollar. Where Yes, we're hearing about it from multinationals right now, but do you think the dollar's going up another 10% against all these other currencies? 10% is a big move, but I think it still it's, could it's go moved up 20 because the, the U.S. is still in better shape than everybody else, and even if the Fed takes it down a notch, everyone else is going to take this it down a good, even more. This would be good. We could talk FX forever, so we, we probably should I save know. that for another show. Yes. <laughs> My dream job. Um, thank you very much. Coming up, believe it or not, we've got an even busier week of earnings ahead. I just gave you a taste, but we're going to go through the names, how you should play these going into the most packed week of reports this quarter. We're going to break down the plays after this. And then later on options action, ensuring gains, we are laying out a trade on United Healthcare that can help protect your portfolio from more volatility. We've got more fast money for you in just two minutes. Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Wouldn't it be great to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one place? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, makes it easy. I use it to put my investment account and 401k accounts into one hub and get expert tips that help me confidently manage my money. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. Whether you're a seasoned investor or are looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. Securely link your 
your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart great investors, and it's how Yahoo Finance ensures you have the insight to look at your wealth in its entirety. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com, that's YahooFinance.com. Welcome back. Happy Friday. Too fast money. A lot of headliner stocks posting earnings this week. But Wall Street is gearing up for an even busier week ahead with more than 30 percent of S&P 500 companies slated to report. We're talking Airbnb, Qualcomm, Peloton, DoorDash, DraftKings, just to name a few that investors will be watching. So we thought, what better time for a game of yes. trade it or fade it. Trade it or pay it. This is my first time, guys. Really we'll kick exciting. it off with AMD, the chipmaker, set to report Tuesday after the bell. Guy, trade it or fade it. Well, Sarah, you always remember your first time, and I'm trading AMD for sure. <laughs> it's down 60% from its all-time high, trading at a mid-teens multiple. Lisa Sue, great CEO. That Intel quarter was not great, but you saw the price reaction. AMD's quarter will be better. I think it goes higher. They like the cost discipline on Intel, Tim. Yeah, I'm going to fade it, uh, Guy. Uh, you know, I think you have a dynamic here. Where, first of all, we got preliminary numbers. We know the client segment's going to be 16 or so percent weaker. I, I think if you look at the underperformance of AMD to the Sox, it's something I think you continue to see. It's been 25% over the last three months, and I, I still think semis go lower. Therefore, AMD goes lower. Next, Starbucks reporting Thursday afternoon. Steve, what's your take? Uh, you got to fade this one. There's going to be headwinds from the unionization uh, headlines that we're seeing, seeing out, that's going to be a, a, a headwind for the stock. It's a risk for the stock. I was actually constructive on the stock. It, it looked great bouncing off that May level, ran into a brick wall in September. The level that it ran into, Sarah, in September was the January 2020 high. It mm. has since rolled over. Zero momentum in the name. It's not up for the month. The month has been great for a lot of stocks, not for Starbucks. Why? Uh, fade it. What's the problem here? China? Didn't Apple reassure us on that front today? I, I, don't, I don't know what the major headwind is. Maybe people are not going to be paying five bucks uh, you know, for a cup of coffee. I know that if we're going into a recession, that could be an issue. Definitely international is going to be an issue. So there's a lot of ambiguity for their earnings future. And when you look at it on a technical level, it just seems like it can't get out of its own way. It's been in a declining trend line since July of 2021. Courtney, what do you think? Starbucks? I'd actually trade Starbucks here. Um, it does trade more expensive than the markets, but it is cheaper than its historical averages. I do think they have a really loyal customer base here. And if you look at people who are in their uh, loyalty rewards program, they tend to spend two to three times as much as Starbucks as people who aren't. And I think having that kind of pricing power is really important. They definitely have some headwinds, especially with China not um, really improving as fast as we wanted to see. But longer term, I do think that's going to be a great thing for them. Um, Starbucks, we've talked about previously, and I always think it's funny because we go to commercial break and every time Tim is saying, oh, I hate that my Starbucks drink is going up. <laughs> yeah, he keeps buying it. And I think that's kind of a good um, you know, show as to what their customers are. And Tim, I would ask you, like, are you still buying your Starbucks right now? Oh, well, nothing's going to stop me now. I mean, well, why would I give up now at a $4.50 drip coffee when, in fact, I started at two bucks? It seems like only two years ago. No, they, they have pricing power, though. And I think that's part of the story here. Yeah, PayPal also want to hit because it's reporting on Thursday. Tim, what are you doing with this name, which has had a nice little run up lately? I, I, I'm going to trade it. I, I think this is one of these stocks 
Scott refers to these cut in half club. I think this is cut by two thirds club, and that's not a reason to buy a stock. It's 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 a valuation somewhere 17, 18 times forward. But I think the story is their top line still not a great story out there. I think the opex gets better. I think the margin gets better, and I think we priced a lot of bad news in here. So I think a world class global company, and I think PayPal is starting to build a base. If you look at that chart, Grasso, you disagree. Yeah, this is going to be a fade for me as well. And if you look back to when PayPal was thinking about buying Pinterest, the stock has never recovered since then. So if they're out of growth, ide- if they're out of growth ideas, then you probably shouldn't, shouldn't be buying the stock. And this is another one, Sarah, that if you look back on a chart, this traded below the pandemic low, fought its way back above, and then skid back down again. Once again, no momentum, down 54% for the year, down 5% for the month. This is one that can't really get out of its own way. I like the idea of PayPal. The stock just doesn't seem to be performing well. We're going to round out things here with Kellogg, the food manufacturer, reports Thursday before the bell. Courtney, trade it or fade it? Ahead of a big split for this company into three. Yeah, and um, they've done absolutely fantastic this year. I don't want to discount that by any means. They're about 19% this year, whereas the S&P is down close to 19. I mean, talk about some outperformance. Um, but at this point, I am going to fade it, and it really just comes down to valuation. At this point, it's trading about 18 times next year earnings, which is more than its own historical averages and its peers. There are going to be still some cost pressures moving forward, so I'm going to fade this. Guy? The pride of Battle Creek, Michigan, continues to go higher. They have pricing power. I actually like the multiple. I think it trades up to levels we saw in the summer of 16, which was approximately 88 bucks. What do you think about Special K? So I I eat cereal. I bet you eat healthy. I'm not that healthy. I like cereal, but I don't. I'm not. I'm more of like a Chex. Wheat checks, corn oh, checks. Wheat checks. It checks party mix, I'll Chex take, mix. but not for, not for breakfast. I also really like puffins. We've got a news alert here on GM and Twitter. The automaker temporarily, temporarily here suspending advertising on the social platform after the takeover by Elon Musk. The company saying it's a normal course of business and that it is, quote, engaging with Twitter to understand the direction of the platform under their new ownership. This is really interesting of course, for many reasons, but one, because Musk himself wrote that letter basically to advertisers yesterday saying, look, we don't want this to be a hellscape. We're, we, we still want advertisers on there. But he has also said in terms of content moderation, he's going to be a lot more open than the current Twitter management. It doesn't matter for Twitter stock, which is going to stop trading I mean, here it, in the next few weeks. It would be weeks, different if Coca-Cola said that. I mean, this is, this is GM and also a competitor on the Tesla front. But I, I, look, I, for advertisers and at times when we've looked at the social media platforms, we know when Facebook was going through their problems, advertisers have to get out there and be cautious about where they are parking their dollars and effectively where they are endorsing. And so I think it doesn't surprise me to hear it. And when he makes the statement, it's not going to be, what was the term, a hell? Hellscape. A hellscape. Why say that? I mean, the presumption is, I well, guess, because, maybe it could be. Previously, he said he would let Trump back on and he would let anyone that that wants to become and not sort of moderate the content. You, you don't want it to be a place full of, I don't know, pornography and hate speech. No. And, and, and so advertisers, as we've seen throughout the, the last two or three years, have been very cautious with a number of different platforms to at least be out there and be ahead of it and say, hey, look, um, we're going to watch. We're going to see how this develops and we'll make our choices. To must credit, he did announce on Twitter that he's forming a content moderation council to make decisions before letting people back on. Like, yeah, yay, I'm not. I mean, Kanye I, West, people I'm not looking at that. I, Trump's. That's not a council that I think is, anyway, I'll save that. Well, at least it's something. It's not just a free-for-all. Anyway, we'll continue to follow that story for you. Up next, we've got your final trades. 
Mark your calendar for next Tuesday, CNBC Your Money event. Learn how to maximize your finances and invest in a brighter future with financial experts. Register at CNBCEvents.com slash your money or just use that QR code right there on your screens. It is time for final trade. Let's go around the horn. Steve. Uh, sign of the times. McDonald's blew the, uh, the, the cover off the ball. This is one that you do not have to rush out and buy it. Wait for it to come back in. Better pricing. Courtney. Uh, one of my trade at our fate is going to go with Starbucks here ahead of earnings next week. This is a company with pricing power. This is the kind of company you want to be in right now. I think this can be a good play. Guy. I hope your first trade at a fate was good for you. Bristol Myers <laughs> breaking out here. That's it. I, I can jump in here. How about that? I'll give you one, if I, if I may. How about Nike, Sarah? I know you're a oh, big Nike. You're a big FX. You're a big Nike, too. You're probably wearing some cool Jordans. Nike, I, I think the margin stays strong. After a tough quarter. Yep. That is going to do it. Thank you all on Fast Money. This was fun. Don't go anywhere. We've got more fun coming because options action is next. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager.